0: Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Take your Bible, open it to Genesis chapter 36. So, look at verse 5, R. Kent Hughes' comments. Genesis is ambiguous about Esau. The beginning of his life was certainly graceless, but he appeared as a different man after the 20-year hiatus while Jacob was with his uncle. Certainly his demotion from covenant bearer did not mean that he was excluded from the benefits of the covenant. Personally, he said, I've seen this pattern and ambiguities of Esau's chronicle traced in the lives of men I've buried over the years. They were born to godly though imperfect parents. Growing up, they were nurtured and catechized in God's word, but Christian things meant little to them. Heaven was far off, disconnected from real life. And as they mat- as they matured, they came to despise their heritage, maybe not overtly, but by neglect and dismissiveness. I will tell you on the Bible Answer Show today we got two phone calls. Both those phone calls told the story of people walking away from their faith. One was a minister. One was a 28-year-old young man who's decided that he doesn't want to be a Christian anymore. Yet he is complaining to his mom that Christians are celebrating a pagan holiday when they celebrate Christmas. And my response was, why does he care? Why does he care? If he's told you that the God of the Bible is not true, then why does he critique you and want to get into a debate about the origins of Christmas? It shouldn't even matter to him. But it matters to him because he wants to prove a point. He somehow wants to make himself feel better by saying that you're wrong, Mom. And the minister, I understand, he's looking at stuff that's happening in the news, children dying because of war. Sadly, that's always been the case of human existence, hasn't it? And he's walking away, apparently, from whatever faith he had as well. Please hear me well. Some people despise their heritage not heritage not overtly but by neglect and dismissiveness they dismiss the deeper things some were ignorant despisers others cultured despisers to their parents great sorrow they married outside the faith and then went with the flow of culture in raising their children so that they became de facto pagans pursuing and even attaining the american dream But as these men passed through midlife, the emptiness of it all began to pummel their souls. They repented and came to faith. When they could, they made amends. But their families did not follow them. So these men stayed at the fringes of the church, sometimes seeking counsel, sometimes engaging in benevolences, attending church irregularly and often alone, inarticulate to their faith. And when they did, the family, when they, when they, excuse me, when they died, the family asked for a funeral in the church in respect to their father's wishes. And when I preached, says Hughes, it was to ignorant, unbelieving hearts, Edomites. And folks, I have seen that played over and over and over again. I've stood up here too many times with someone who has left this planet with a question mark over their soul. You don't want to live that way, and you certainly don't want to die that way. And so these are the records of the generations of Esau. And when you think about it, there's a lot to reflect upon and a lot to consider. And if you'll let the Bible teach you what it's trying to teach you, if I'll let the Bible teach me what it's trying to teach me, I will be the wiser for it, and I will have acquired wisdom. And so Esau settled in the hill country of Seir. That's verse 8 from the ESV. And of course, we're told again of these generations of Esau. Esau did a lot of settling. He settled for second, third, fourth best. And I pray, of course, as I uh, urge us all that we don't settle for anything but God's best. The second section in verses 10 and following in Genesis 36 tell the story of two of uh, Esau's sons and then 10 of his grandsons. I'm not going to read the list here, but that's what you could put as a heading. There's two sons mentioned Two of Esau's sons in verse 10, Eliphaz and Reul. And then there's a whole list of sons that come from them, 10 in all. You'll see some familiar names in there, like Amalek in verse 12 is mentioned. Um, There's there's different uh, lines that are mentioned there, and I'm not going to get into all the genealogy there. In summing up verses 20 and 30, which have a lot of names in them as well, Uh, Verses 20 through 30, one way to just categorize this is Esau had displaced displaced the native people, had married into a leading family. The picture here is one of violent invasion by Esau's clan, living by his sword, followed by the absorption of the native populace into the descendants of Esau. In other words, Esau was very, um, I guess, materialistically prosperous, you'd say, In fact, what we're going to learn is that while uh, Israel under Jacob, as the family goes to Egypt and ends up under Egyptian bondage, Esau is thriving. The Edomites are thriving. They have kings before Israel ever has kings. They seem to be dominating uh, and kind of imbibing people groups. In verse 31, we have a list of kings that come from Esau's line. These are the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before 31, any king reigned over the sons of Israel. So you could see, in some ways, if Jacob got word about his brother, he, would, he might say, sheesh, my, my brother's done so much better than I. He's got kings and, and lands and, and all of these things coming from the group. And the list of kings are there. You have Bela and Jobab in verse 33, Husham, 35, Hadad. Uh, Skip down to 36, you have Samlah, Shaul. And the last name is an interesting name. When Shaul died, verse 38, you have Baal or Baal Hanan. When you see the name Baal, what does it make you think of? A false god. Why would, one of the na- why would one of the kings of Edom be named after Baal? Well, because certainly by this time, there's a, there's a degeneration. There's all of this, this taking in of, of the pagan ways, and now you have kings that are even named after false gods. And so he dies in verse 39, and Hadar becomes king in his place. And then the final section of this particular uh, chapter verses 40 through 43, as we round out chapter 36, emphasizes the spheres of ownership and influence of the leading Edomite families. Notice it says in verse 40, now these are the names of the chiefs descended from Esau. And you have the chiefs mentioned there, ending in verse 43. Chief Magdal, Chief Eram. These are the chiefs of Edom, that is Esau, the father of the Edomites, according to their habitations in the land of of their possession. And so the story concludes. What do we know of the Edomites as the Bible unfolds? What do we learn about them? Just some scriptures that we'll go through um, as we move through the Bible and we'll conclude in the New Testament as I told you we would end up at Christmas. Here's what we have. Uh, The sad reality is that Esau's descendants became the chronic enemies of Jacob's descendants, Edomites, battled Israelites. Some 500 years after Esau's departure when Moses was leading Israel in the Exodus out of Egypt, the Edomites refused the peaceful overtures of Moses it would not allow Israel to pass through their territories. That's recorded in Numbers 20 verses 14 through 21. 1 Samuel 14:47 says that Saul, the first king of Israel, had to battle uh, that, that had to battle with Edom, 1 Samuel 14, 47. 2 Samuel eight fourteen says that David was able to sub- subdue the Edomites, but the most infamous abuse of Edom toward Israel was during Israel's deportation to Babylon when the Edomites blocked the crossroads, cutting off the route of the fugitive Israelites and delivered them back to the Babylonians. Can you imagine that? The the Israelites that were being deported and actually had a chance to go back to the promised land were cut off by the Edomites and returned back to basically being in bondage. How's that for how your brother treats you? How's that for a forgotten history and no sense of the covenant promises? Turn to the book of Psalms. This this story gets a little attention in your Bible, Psalms, Psalm 137, Psalm 137. Here's the story when they treated Israel poorly, and of course, you can tie this all back to not really focusing on your heritage, not passing down the stories. Folks, think about it. Israel was told over and over again, teach these things to your children. Teach them the feast. Teach them where you came from. Teach them what the Lord's done for you so that future generations will worship the Lord. Well, Esau started a bad trend. And by the time 500 years had passed, the Edomites could care less about the Israelites. They didn't care that there there was brothers at one point in this line. It meant nothing to them anymore. There was no sense of the covenant. And so the psalmist writes in Psalm 137, by the rivers of Babylon... There we sat down and wept. When we remembered Zion, upon the willows, in the midst of it, we hung our harps. For there our captors demanded of us songs, and our tormentors mirth, and they said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. They said something like this. Sing us one of those worship songs. You guys guys used to sing in the temple. And they said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget her skill. May my tongue cleave to the roof of my roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy Remember, O oh Lord, against the sons of Edom, the day of Jerusalem, who said, When they saw Babylon destroying us, you know what the Edomites said? They said, Raise it, raise it to its very foundation. Destroy it all uh, I think that's a lost sense of your history. When you sit there and you've been connected to that family tree and you say destroy that temple, destroy that holy place, we don't care. We just want to ransack it when you're done. That's when you've lost the sense of the spiritual. There's a book in your Bible called the book of Obadiah. Anybody ever been to Obadiah? Been to Obadiah lately? All right, everybody turn to Obadiah. Say, Pastor Michael, where's Obadiah? It's only one chapter, so it's extremely difficult to find. So what I would just say to you is just act like you know what you're doing. Just kind of search around, look on at your neighbor, ask for a page number. Actually, the book of Obadiah is between Amos and Jonah, all right? One chapter. Here's what you could do. This, this coming week, if you have Christian friends, say to your friends, when talk about your devotional life and say, I read a book of the Bible this morning, man. Look, look, what did you read? Obadiah. They'll have no idea that it's only like 21 verses. The whole book. Here's what it says. The vision of Obadiah, thus says the Lord God concerning who? Edom. That's from Esau. We have heard a report from the Lord, and an an envoy has been sent among the nations, saying, Arise, and let us go against uh, her for battle. Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You are greatly despised. The arrogance of your heart has deceived you. This is an address to Edom or the Edomites. You who live in the clefts of the rock, in the loftiness of your dwelling places. By the way, some of the roots of the genealogies end up settling in Petra. And that's modern day what? Jordan. This is where these people come from, or where they ended up settling. And they lived in the clefts of the rock, in the loftiness of your dwelling place. Who say in your heart, who will bring me down to earth? There's pride. Though you build high like the eagle, though you set your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. If thieves came to you, if robbers by night, oh, how you will be ruined. Would they not steal only until they had enough? If grape gatherers came to you, would they not leave some gleanings? Oh, how Esau will be ransacked and his hidden treasures searched out. Skip down to verse 8. Will I not on that day, declares the Lord, destroy wise men from Edom, and understanding uh, from the mountains of Esau? Then your mighty men will be dismayed, O Timon, in order that everyone may be cut off from your mountain, from the mountain of Esau by slaughter. Because of violence to your brother Jacob, you will be covered with shame, and you will be cut off forever." You know, in a classic passage in the New Testament, it says, Jacob have I loved, remember it? Esau have I hated. And people read Romans 9, verse 13, and they say, oh, God is not fair, I don't understand it. And the quote comes from the book of Malachi. Long after these individuals are dead, it's not speaking of the individuals, it's speaking of who? The nations, and God had a very dim view of Edom because of what Edom did to Israel. Israel being the covenant people, they had no mercy when they were trying to leave Egypt in the Exodus. They had no mercy when they were trying to go back to the promised land from Babylon. And God said, because you've treated my people that way, I'm taking that personally. And I, have a, I despise you for what you've done to my people. This is how we can see God's love for his own people. He, he takes it personally. Now, to Isaiah 21, we're almost done. Hang in there. Isaiah 21, look at verse 11. There's an oracle spoken against Edom in the book of Isaiah. as many nations are addressed in the book, as if you were with us when we went through Isaiah, look at Isaiah 21, look at verse 11. There's an oracle. This is a heavy message concerning Edom 21:11 of Isaiah. The oracle concerning Edom, one keeps calling to me from Seir. That's where he settled. Watchman, Isaiah 21, 11, How far gone is the night? Watchman, how far gone is the night? The watchman says, morning comes but also night. If you would inquire, inquire and come back again. Here's, here's the response. I don't really know. How far gone is the night? I don't know. There could be some dark, more darkness. There could be light. Everybody turn to Isaiah 63. When Jesus Christ returns, he's going to physically return to the earth, Isaiah 63, and he's going to pass through this area known as Edom in the area of modern-day Jordan. Take a look at Isaiah 63. This is verse 1. Who is this who comes from Edom with garments of glowing colors from Basra, Isaiah 63, 1. The one who is majestic in his apparel, marching in the greatness of his strength. It is I who speak in righteousness, mighty to save. And the question is, why is your apparel red and your garments like the one who treads in the wine press? And he says, I have trodden the wine trough alone, and from the peoples there was no man with me. I also trod them in my anger, trampled them in my wrath, And their lifeblood is sprinkled on my garments, and I stained all my raiment. For the day of vengeance was in my heart, and my year of redemption has come. He's going to pass through Isaiah 63, 1, the area of Edom, and I take that quite literally. Then I mentioned Malachi 1, 1 through 4. Just write that down for your notes, which is picked up in the book of Romans. I'm going to take you all the way to Matthew, and we're done. Matthew chapter 2. So you guys know the king that was ruling in the time when the wise men saw the star in the east, he was named, you remember his name? Herod. He's known as Herod the Great. History tells us Herod was a whopping four foot four. I don't know how that strikes you, but, you know, four foot four. But he built... Uh, incredibly significant buildings: the hippodrome, the, his castle, many incredible things. Um, and so here's here's how the story goes. Now, after Jesus, Matthew two one was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. You have a story of two kings here. One one king is named Jesus. He's the king of the Jews. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. And the star is seen in the east, and they come to another king. His name is Herod. He thinks he's the king of the Jews. And one of the kings, Jesus, the king that's born, comes from the line of Jacob, and the other king comes from the line of Esau. Do you know that in the Christmas story, an Edomite king is wrestling against a Jewish king. And the story comes full circle. And this Edomite king, you've heard it said of, the, of Herod that he was Idumean. That means he was not Jewish. He was of Edomite stock, and he was a ruthless man. In fact, as Matthew 2 unfolds, he kills the babies in Bethlehem to try to destroy the Christ child. And from the decisions of Esau many moons ago, people say, oh, what I decide today has no bearing on the future. You want to bet? You want to bet? You may not even realize the ripple effects that come from your life's decisions. And one day, brothers and sisters, the record will be revealed. Someone might say, let the record show And maybe people like Esau and people like Michael and people who are in this room and people who listen to my voice later will get a glimpse of the ripple effect that came out from one life, just one life. And Esau didn't care. Let me have some of that stew, I'm hungry, I'm gonna starve to death. Who cares if you have a birthright if you're starving? And then he loses his blessing. And then he marries outside the line. And then he leaves the promised land. And he X's out his future generations from the covenant. Everybody hear that? Esau married his children and grandchildren out of the covenant line. Oh my goodness. Now I care about what grandpa does. Amen. And so, all of a sudden, the Bible takes us to this story. And they say, well, where is he who is born king of the Jews? Matthew 2.2, for we saw his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. And Herod, when Herod the king heard it, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, because when Herod was troubled, everybody was troubled. People started dying. And gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes and the people, he began to inquire of them where the Christ was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, where it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi, ascertained from them the time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, Go and make a careful search for the child. And when you have found him, report to me that I too may come and worship him. Just write in your Bible, you liar. And having heard uh, the king, they went their way, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over where the Christ child, where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And they came, notice, into the house. He's not in the stable or the cave. He's in a house now. This is later. And they came into the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshiped him. And opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their own country by another way. So we know what happened afterwards. It's the wicked deed of this king when he kills the babies in Bethlehem. Jesus was preserved because he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And may I just submit to you as we close, you have a chance, a choice, to serve one of two kings. You can serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords or you can serve the Prince of this world or you can serve yourself or any combination thereof and you get to decide. But you don't just decide for yourself, brothers and sisters. Your decisions will affect future generations. And I pray that we'll all be wise in our decision-making. I'm Pastor Michael Lance. Living Truth Radio is an extension of Living Truth Christian Fellowship here in the city of Corona. If you live in Southern California and you're anywhere near the Inland Empire, on Sundays we have two services at 9 and 1115. We have a lot of things going on for the kids and teenagers. You can find out all that you'd want to know at livingtruthradio.org. This is a listener-supported ministry. Radio airtime is often very expensive. And we know that the ministry is making an impact, but we could use more partners to partner with us in this ministry endeavor. If you've been blessed by this program and you can help us out, please keep praying for us. But you can give by going to the the radio website, livingtruthradio.org, click on the donate tab and make sure whatever you give is for radio ministry. Hey, if you've been listening to these radio messages and you've opened your heart to Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you may be asking the question, what do I do now? Let me give you four things really quick of what to do after you become a Christian. Number one is read your Bible. You know, the Bible is like spiritual nourishment for your soul. It's spiritual food for the inner man. So think of your Bible as food for the soul. Get into your Bible and get your Bible into you. Open it up and read it for yourself. Number two, find a good, healthy Bible teaching church. You know, it's not enough for a church to say they're Bible believing. Make sure that they're Bible teaching and make sure that they teach in an expository fashion, going through passages and explaining the meaning of the text. Number three is to pray. You know, prayer is really a two-way communication with you and God. Pray with an open Bible, keep your heart open. The Lord will speak to you primarily through the scriptures, but he can also speak to your heart and show you what to do. And number four is share your faith with others. Tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ that you have embraced personally in your life. Tell them about how you've been born again to a living hope in Christ. That will give them the opportunity to meet Jesus Christ themselves. And it will also keep you accountable to this new life that you have in Christ. If we can be of help in any way at Living Truth Radio, we'd like to know. We'd like to know if you made a decision to follow Christ. And if you're looking for a church to plug into, use the contact form at livingtruthradio.org and let us know. We'd love to help you. If you have questions, if you are looking for a healthy church, if we can help you in any way, let us know. Livingtruthradio.org is the website. This is Pastor Michael Lance. We will catch you next time on Living Truth Radio.